The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power. G'day everybody and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide power. podcast, the post-season um, episode this week. We're going to be doing the, uh, the end of season review. And uh, obviously talking about some of the um, the news items of the last uh, week or, or 24 hours as well. Joining me, we've got uh, Rick. How are you, mate? Good, Macca. Spit out that intro, will you? Oh, I know. Legend. Hey, you're, uh, half, you're half drunk already. I am half drunk already, that's right. That's the only way to do this one, I think, mate. And uh, we've got Portia as well. Hello. I'm not drunk. Very understated. I wish I was. That's, uh, I that's wish right. I was drunk. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's get straight into it because we've got a lot to talk about, and um, surely we'll, not. We'll, we'll go with some news, um, and okay. probably the biggest news of the last twenty-four hours. I can't believe Jared got blindsided last night on Survivor. I don't watch Survivor. Sorry. Oh, that's yeah, I don't I'm, watch. I don't watch Survivor I'm either. Even... I'm sending worse and worse. I, 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 what I do is I drink tea and I watch shows on the Anytime Function on Lifestyle Channel. That's that's my that's what I do. It's very exciting. It's very disappointing um, portion. I can tell you, I get really angry. I got really angry at Grand Designs Australia when I um, <laughs> realised that <laughs> one one of the houses being built. Like I just think, oh, they're really unpleasant people. And then you see a thing at the end. They're like, they're the people that own Zeta Florence, which is this stationery shop here in Melbourne. I think they've got a couple of branches. And then you go Google Zeta Florence and it's like they've got all these dodgy business tactics. And I'm like, yes, this all fits perfectly together. This is an awful liberal voting person that probably is voting no on the uh, postal survey this week. Speaking of a dodgy business practice, let's talk about um, the Hinkley contract saga. And uh, what a 24 hours it's been. Like We've gone from talks of a irreparable split between him and Kosh to uh, him signing a five-year deal with Gold Coast to suddenly not signing with Gold Coast to signing a three-year deal with Port to not signing a three-year deal with Port to potentially signing a three-year deal with Port. Um, what a roller coaster of, uh, of emotions and thoughts. And um, it looks like in the end, Hinkley will be coaching our football club for at least 2018 and uh, probably a bit longer than that as well. Um, how do we feel about this? Well, I'm confused. Because Kosh came out after that last game and sort of had a swipe at the players. And his positioning has always been really um, that he wanted to make Ken a 10-year coach of Port Adelaide and has always been supportive of Ken. So I don't understand where this um, this rift has really come from. Mm. I don't know. It's... I, I don't... I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Obviously... Had a little bit of a snipe at his selection policy as well. But I don't know. As we talked about on the podcast, as so many people on the forum have mentioned, there was clearly a change in our strategy after that showdown loss. You know, you don't just, you know, back in everybody all year and then suddenly make four or five, you know, youth changes uh, for no reason. Um, so it's really hard to say if there is a rift there between Kosh and, and Hinkley or not. We know that Hinkley loves the players and, and he'll back them in and maybe that got his back up a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I think that everything that we've heard that Koshy said um, has seemed pretty reasonable to me. 
um, about yeah. you know we want you to hear, you want you to win premierships, not to play AFL football. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and I kind of feel like I mean I guess that's the most worrying part about the rumor of all of this. Like yes, it's it's terrifying to think that we're going to lock Ken in for four years, um, effectively, including next season. That's that's worrying to me. But even more worrying to me was the prospect that the club could be or the people at the club could be so precious that they couldn't take it when the chairman says what every supporter's thinking to them. Mm. Like that would be that's just that's the just the of all the horror scenarios that have gone through today, like that is number one for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I really hope and, and would be glad that that's not the case. Yes, four years total um, a, after the last. That's a long time. It is a lot for still something that's unproven because I think we're now, I think with that new selection policy that Mac has sort of highlighted, to me it seems like we're we're going to be in a, a little bit of a mini rebuild period under Ken. Well, it won't be a mini I one. I don't think it'll be. Yeah, it's probably a little bit more significant than a mini rebuild, but mm-hmm. I also think it's entirely necessary, and I don't think we're going to lose much out of it. I think we'll still improve next year, and we'll obviously talk about that a bit later on. But um, your thoughts on Hinkley potentially being here until the end of 2021? Uh during that stage of the day when that seemed like that had definitely happened, I started feeling really flat, so I decided to start planning for the 1st of January 2022, um, which basically uh, I looked at the list and saw who was still around, and, you know, there's some really good aspects to it, so I felt confident that as long as we don't trade away all our draft picks for the next four years, we could actually have a team by then that is still quite valuable. So you got the forward line is atrocious. Like it's basically Todd Marshall and a huge number of uncertainties. Because he'll be 23 in the first of January 2022, and that's you know it's a good age for a key forward to really start coming into their game. Yep. Um, we'll have four big mids: Ollie Wines, 27; Sam Powell Pepper at 23; Willem Drew at 23; and Joe Atley at 23. Like that's a pretty you know that's a good set of midfielders. Uh, and small mids being Jared Polek and Chad Wingard at 29 and 28. Uh, and the tall backmen, we've got four tall backmen who'll still be who'll be absolutely in their prime at that time, assuming we don't trade one. And that's obviously Homsch, Cleary, Austin and Howard. And that's age 28, 27, 26 and 25. And that's in four years' time. Like, that's yeah. that's a good that's, that's good. a good set of backmen. Our defence is locked down. And that's really interesting to note because our small backs is pretty well covered too because we've got Darcy who'll be 26 then, Dan Houston who'll be 24 then, uh, Bonner. Riley Bonner will be 24, yep. Uh, and then Rux is another uncertainty only because they haven't played yet, and that's Billy Frampton, who'll be about 25, and Peter Adams, who'll be 23. And again, for Ruckman, that's you know that's when they start coming into it. But that forward line is a desolate wasteland, and we need to correct it immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. The, uh, the that's search interesting. for key forwards is uh, still ongoing after all these years. Yeah. Because Macca, like... you think, Macca thinks we're a top four chance and premiership threat next year. I do. Well, maybe next year, because we haven't lost Ryder and Dixon yet. I'm talking about four years' time. Mm. End of four years' time, mm. in fact. Like post Kinkley, if he gets a three-year extension. So, where do you sit on this uh, this spectrum, Rick? Are you on the uh, the pro Ken or the the uh, anti Ken fence? Uh, good question. I uh, I'm on the I don't know fence. Um, if we lost him, well, Rick's honestly, on the did we win or lose last week fence. Uh, honestly, I'm like if we lost him, it's not like end of the world for me. Um, keeping him, I think, is okay, but there's still there needs to be changes. I think we highlight quite often the flaws in his game plan and selection, and uh, and I think all three of us have done that. And he seems to be a little bit stubborn. So 
is he going to change? If not, the next four years could be painful. Um, however, I think the only the only thing is that, I mean, if he did go, we would have been dealt a shit sandwich timing-wise uh, to try and find another coach so quickly because there'd be no planning whatsoever. Um, mm. Not to say we wouldn't find a good replacement, but it's not ideal. Um, so, You'd want one yeah, before trade see... week, for sure. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, look, I wasn't crying if he left and I'm, I don't know, I probably I probably would have been a little bit more excited if he left and stayed, to be honest. It's a hard one. I'm, I'm kind of, I've got one foot in the pro-ken camp and one foot on the fence still, I think. Um, I, I don't know. I, I like Ken, but there's things that he needs to change. We need to change as a football club with him as well. Um, the main concern that I've got is that it just reeks of Choco. Like, you know, sign him up to a long-term deal and then six months later, when we're staring down another non-finals uh, campaign, you know, you kind of got to move him on and, and start again. And uh, that's that was the concern that uh, that is ringing through my head at the thought of him being here for another four years. Um, I would love to just wait until we see what's going to happen next year uh, before we commit to some sort of long-term deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you, you're comparing him to Chaka. I'd probably compare him more to Rodney Ebe, who turned one grand final premise, uh, finish into, what, 14 years of senior coaching. Mm. Um, you know, that was that's. He, I think he's in that same category. I think he's a guy that wants to be a career coach. Um and that's to me, to my mind, that's why continuing at Port Adelaide is better than extending it than going to Gold Coast immediately, is because when he finishes at Port Adelaide, there'll still be another Gold Coast around that will give him a five-year deal. You'd imagine, as long as he doesn't completely shit the bed, which he probably won't, because he's got a, you know, he, keep, he keeps the old guys around for the most part. Well, I guess it'll be interesting to see whether it'd be interesting to see whether a three-year contract extension, which I'm not for, but if that comes with okay. We're doing this, but we're clearing out the no-hopers like we're supposed to do, like we write on the walls in the in the change rooms, yeah. Um, and that because that's the only place that the only place that a senior coach will do that is when they feel they've got the security to do a minor rebuild. Um, but as we're looking at it, like our rebuild has already been going underway. It's just it's only affecting the parts of the field that are functioning, which is the you know most some of the midfield and all of the defence. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's difficult. Let's, next well, question. <laughs> well, no, I was just about to say. I was just about to say to you both, though, what does Ken need to change to be successful? And you sort of just started to uh, answer that. But it's a serious question. What does he need to change? Uh, he needs to stop being loyal to players that haven't uh, been loyal to him. I guess that haven't uh, haven't rewarded him with that for that loyalty. Um, is, is is Travis Boak one of those players? Uh, I reckon he gives more than most players in our team, but. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's a thing. I, I, I want him to be not ruthless because ruthless says that you, ruthless is so often synonymous with being an asshole. But dispassionate is what I want to see from Ken when it comes to trade week. Um, I don't. I don't want us to have another situation where we try and talk a Hamish Hartley into staying and then they, you know, they. It's all right. He's done okay. But gee, you know, um, we could have fix some of the holes in our side by letting him go. And that's the sort of thing that we miss if we're not being dispassionate to some extent about our, our list management. Yeah. 
I would agree with that. I think, um, yeah, his loyalty to players that probably don't deserve that loyalty is an issue. And look, it looks like throughout this year he has started to move away from that, which I think is good. Um, I think there are still issues with our game style that we need to fix. I think uh, constant lack of any sort of plan B is a problem. Um, And he probably needs to maybe move on one or two assistant coaches and get some fresh ideas in um, who are maybe better coaches on game day uh, than what a couple of these guys are at the moment. Um, that's that's, a, that's a good point, Macca. I think, I think there's a couple like Nicks and Voss that have had a great opportunity. And yeah, there's probably, yeah, and maybe they need to have an opportunity elsewhere and so we can get some fresh ideas. And I think Ken's one of those coaches that's really heavily reliant on a strong uh, second in charge, and I think the the, the Richardson and uh, Walsh era has shown that compared to the last three years without them. Mm. So um, I, I think, think that's almost a fundamental. Are, are reliant on their assistant coaches because they're the ones that deal with the players in their specific sections and need to really sort of come up with ideas on the fly, um, and that sort of that sort of thing. And I think guys like Voss and Nick's have probably had their time here. And we really do need to bring in some fresh blood and, and some fresh ideas. And we saw how well Bassett has worked over the last two years. Um, he's turned our defence into a from a, a pretty leaking sieve to you know just about the tightest defence in the league. Um, so well, if we can maybe bring in someone could... like a Schofield or someone like a Jew or a Ratten or someone like that, I don't know. Not necessarily those names, but... Um, trying to bring in some different ideas from different clubs, uh, specifically successful clubs, um, that can only be a good thing, surely. I just want to add another thing, which I think feel like I've said before, which is that um, Bassett has benefited hugely by being in control of the area on the ground that the last two years, as you said, we've actually allocated more player uh, time and attention to than any other part of our game plan. You know, like our forward line goes missing every second match. Oh, sorry, every match. And our midfield goes missing every second match. And our defence is the only area where we constantly have players that are available to fill every position where we've got a, a diversity of talent because we've actually tried to recruit it and keep it. Um, whereas we don't do that in the other areas of the ground. So I, I feel like Nathan Bassett, he probably could be a good coach, but let's not go nuts. He's got the most resources of any of the assistants, you'd have to say. I would be quite happy saying that. Yeah, on a game-to-game game basis. Potentially. And, and on game quite day. Potentially. Particularly on game day. Well, he's certainly got the most assets because we um, we play about eight people down back, don't we? So exactly, <laughs> he certainly exactly. has the most assets on game day. That's for sure. And he can mix up the matchups more than you know whoever's managing the forward line. And they've got well, there's Dixon and Sam Gray. And... <laughs> Sam Gray, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and and whichever of uh, Wingard and Robbie Gray, uh, your midfield coach will let you have. Like that's our forward line. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, you kind of got to measure them by what they've been given to work with. Like the the guy with the talents in the Bible, you know, the three guys with the talents, you know, give the guy a lot of talents. Yeah. Okay. Sure. He can probably do more. And if he doesn't, then you sack him. If our defense wasn't performing with the assets we've got allocated to it, we would have to sack Bassett. Yeah. Let's say that. Yep. I would think so. Well, let's move on and talk about the other news of the last uh, couple of days. And that's Nathan Cracker, who's got himself in trouble once again uh, over the weekend by uh, smashing up a taxi. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that we will be saying goodbye to Nathan Cracker um, at the end of this year. But uh, in my opinion, hopefully he's already cleared out his locker. 
See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we, we were, I think we we're, I don't know about Rick, but I know that you and I were very much, I think, in the camp that, you know, why did we give Nathan Cracker an upgrade and all that stuff? I was very um, vocal you know, about uh, yeah. why on earth we decided to uh, add him to the senior list after a pretty lazy 2016. It was. It was. Um, he was done and we proved he was, it. He and he's cooked. proved it again. He was absolutely cooked and uh, he's done nothing this year. He got himself in trouble at the start of the year and. You know, it's happened again now, and, and all it's done is uh, is tarnish the name of the club, really. And uh, it's not good enough. As I said, hopefully he's cleared out his locker and uh, won't be back ever again. So no grand final for Nathan? No, nah. I think he's injured anyway. But uh, no. Interesting. Do we do we know the whole story? If he wanted to play in a grand final, if he was fit, why is he getting pissed on the weekend before the grand final? Like, pull your head yeah. in, mate. So, do you know that he was drunk? See, I, don't, I, I know that he damaged a taxi, I don't but I don't much. know the events that led to it. I mean, he could have had a racist barb thrown at him, and he went, screw you, pal. And well, the story, I, I the story no is that his card was declined three times when trying to pay for the taxi using his card, and he got angry and uh, smashed the windscreen. Um. Yeah, how true that is, I don't know whether he was drunk or not. I, I guess I don't know, but uh, I don't think anybody in their right state of mind would be uh, reacting like that. I would think. Yeah, but saying that there are people that you know would be probably do that that don't have to be drunk to be completely dangerous, um, murderous assholes almost. Mm. Like, like there are people that get that angry without being drunk. You've seen those road rage videos, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Macca, you're like the Caroline Wilson of Port Adelaide. I'll take that as a compliment, mate, because uh, her (laughs) mail is usually bang on. Let's move on and uh, get through our review of what was 2017, and we'll do our love and hate for the year first. Um, Rick, what was your love for 2017? Dan Houston is my love. Yes. I love the Dan. I haven't, as you know, I have a propensity to love half-fat flankers. Um, and I've moved on from Jasper to Dan. I just I just think he's an awesome young kid. He, you know, he delivers the ball under pressure. His story coming from the... He was on the rookie list, wasn't he? Um, he was, Coming yeah. from the rookie list. Yeah, elevated from the rookie list. You know, moved to the half-back lines from being a forward... You know, the, the the true Aussie underdog story. But, I mean, the fact that he's shown courage in his games, um, leadership in his games, passion, as you could see when we lost the final. Uh, but most notably, as we all know, his ability to use the ball properly um, and be one of the best users in our team is just so exciting. And uh, I'm very proud for him. And uh, I hope he Absolutely. has a long career with Port Adelaide. No doubt. Look, he's my love as well, mate. And, uh, yeah, absolutely a surprise emergence um, for Dan Houston. Look, he had a, a reasonable debut last year uh, for the Magpies, playing across half-forward. But I don't think any supporters at all would have expected he would turn into, um, you know, such a reliable defender from his first game. You know, he had a wonderful debut against Sydney, and he carried it all the way through the season. Um, and look, he looks set to be a, a long-term, very long-term player for our footy club, and he is no doubt one of, if not the, success story for the year. And we missed him when they dropped him. 
Oh, and okay. I don't understand. And I don't understand why they dropped him in the first place. Um, but yeah, he was his. What was that? Wasn't it for Broadbent or Pittard? Yeah, well, they dropped him for the Gold Coast uh, China game, and then they left him out for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, but it was just a disappointing selection move. I thought. Yes. <laughs> it was no doubt, absolutely, and look, he should be a lock. He should be just about the first man named down back from uh, round one next year, to be honest. What do you think of Houston Porsche? Uh, I think he's great. I think the first person name in defence is still Tom Clory, but yes, I think he's great. Mm. Um, I think Tom Clory is not Tom Clory is not my love. He he is my he's pretty close to it. My love is how I felt at the end of round two when we'd just beaten up Sydney and Fremantle with really physical big midfields. Um, particularly the Fremantle one. Like, we were bigger everywhere on the ground than Fremantle, and it showed in the way we played, and I loved that, and I want us to get to that. I want us to keep recruiting big players in every position um, because it is so satisfying as a fan to watch, you know, a guy like, a guy like Sam Pfeiffer. How great was that? Sam oh. Pfeiffer bursting in and just, you know, slinging blokes around and not taking shit, and everyone was getting in on it. It was really, really entertaining. Like, at the end of round two, we could have beaten anyone, it felt like, and then we played against the Crows and realised we couldn't, but, you know... Uh, that was my that was my, my my season peaked in April. <laughs> yeah, oh, look, that's fair enough as well. It, it was certainly good to see our tallish midfield um, absolutely dominate the first few weeks of the season. And uh, yeah, I guess it was downhill from there uh, to some extent. But something to look forward to uh, for future years for sure. Yep. Did they get worked out? You think? Oh. Well, no, the we changed struggled. how we, we changed our side. We changed our side. We kept getting shorter guys in to replace the guys that played in round one. Mm. Um, that was part of it. Yeah. What about uh, our hates for uh, 2017? Porsche, well, I think Porsche hate? wanted to say something quickly. I just wanted to comment that on live chat that um, Dylan agreed that they were the halcyon days of rounds one and two, um, <laughs> and also that not apparently Nigel Fegert's joined the, the chat. Fegut. So. They, Maybe he's going to tell us about, was it four goals he kicked against the Western Bulldogs in 1998, I think, oh, or 97? 97. Which was it? 97. 97, yeah. What a hard-ass defender he was, too, and I loved his mullet. Oh, he, he was everything Port Adelaide, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> but the, 90, the 90s and mullets and Port Adelaide just went hand-in-hand, hand, let's face it. They did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Long well, live Greg Anderson. What were the hates? I'll go first. I, my yeah. hate was the coaching box. I think we, we missed a trick in the coaching box with poor selections at times. Um, and we spoke at Norsium about Jackson in the final, for example. But I think on game day, we were, were slow to make changes. Uh, we weren't very courageous with our selections, as you said, just then after round two, we changed the side. And um, yeah, and even someone like Sam Powell-Pepper, for Another example where he was clearly injured and instead of giving the young kid a rest because he was tanking in that last third, um, you know, we, we kept riding the poor kid into the ground because we didn't have the courage in the box to look at something different, um, even though he was great up until that point. So, um, And I guess that goes back to your very initial question, Macca, would I be disappointed if Ken left? Look, not really. I, you know, I'm not cutting my wrists that he's still here. But, um, yeah, I think the coach's box um, was my disappointment. Fair enough. That's fair. Porsche? Mm. Um, I've, got a, I've got a few, but I'll, I'll, I'll name the, the quick one. The first one was that um, I'm trying to manipulate stats for coming up player reviews, and I, I realised that 
I thought something was wrong with what I'd done because it said that Jimmy Tompas had the highest average possession or had, highest average uh, uncontested possessions at the club. Um, but it turns out it's true. Even though he played two games, he managed to get 17 uncontested possessions in both of them. So there you go. That was irritating. Um, but my actual hate for the season is probably going to be uh, how readily we overmanned our defence um, and how we seem to think it was a tactic rather than a sign of weakness. Um for me, like that, we how many times did we just start with too many guys back and no forward line? You know, like the final. You know, that's exactly what we did in the final. Um, we heavily committed to okay, let's play it safe, uh, and it didn't work out. <laughs> what a shock! Because it hasn't yeah. worked out most mm. of the season. I feel when we overloaded the defence, you know, at the, at the, from the opening moment. Um, I don't that's like true. that. I don't enjoy that's that. Choco, that's Choco esque in a way, Porsche. I reckon no, he. Had the same problem in the end where, you know, we seem to be too worried. We we just, (laughs) no, but we end up worrying too much about what the opposition's doing instead of, you know, focusing on our strengths. And I mean, I get that you have to respect the opposition, but you also have to respect what you can do to beat the opposition. And I think there's been too often of recent Port Adelaide times we've gone way too far in just focusing on the opposition's strengths instead of ours. Well, it comes on to something I touched on already today and probably every week, <laughs> um, which is that we are, we have a very shallow forward line. Um, and so it's understandable why we do it, but we need to be finding solutions that don't rob us of forwards. Like that, that's it. That's, that should, that, the fact that we've come out of this season and we still haven't worked out how to do that, that makes this season a failure for me. Because mm. mm. no, that's, that's so, so obviously a gaping, a gaping hole in our side and it has been for years. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And Rid- and Lobie sort of costs us there a bit too, doesn't it? Because I mean, he, he he's a Who? big mature guy. That sh- Lobie. Who, well, I mean, that? he's sitting on. Who? He's sit- yeah, that guy. That right. That tall guy in our reserves that doesn't mark and doesn't really do anything. And he can um, Brooksbury. And we, pay, <laughs> and we pay we pay him five hundred thousand bucks a year to be there. Uh, yep. That guy. Good times. Good times. Bad guy. By all. Interstater what, what, says his hate on the uh, Spreaker chat is uh, Spreaker chat. Sorry, is uh, not enough Eddie, which I think is uh, quite a few people's hates this year. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would have liked to have seen Brad Eddie a little bit more than what we did, but uh, not sure how that would have worked out. But would you two like to have seen Brad Eddie more? Uh, no, us, we saw enough. Yeah, I, I don't think he proved himself in the three games that he played. Maybe he could have got another go a bit later on. Um, I just don't think he ended up being suited I... to what needs to happen at AFL level for for an AFL forward. Can I can I so, say something? Which is yeah. that I think that the whole hullabaloo about Brett Eddy is linked to the fact that is a problem and that became less of a problem as the season went on. That people rate SANFL form far too highly. That's why we had people saying, bring in Montreux, bring in Tumpus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. we saw how that worked out. You know, I think that should, that's our object lesson. We hopefully have learned that if you are not an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, SANFL form means nothing. Don't worry about it. Yes. That's fair. Look, my hate uh, was the fact that once again under Hinkley, we couldn't improve our skills. We couldn't vastly improve our forward movement. And we had, we had no real system in how and why we kicked goals, which is uh, frustrating considering we were, I think, second in terms of uh, aggregate score for the season. But um, 
you know, we brought in, uh, obviously, Laid as an assistant coach, and uh, it did see the re-emergence of Choco's forward line entries, uh, once again, where we saw, um, you know, saw ourselves sort of kick, you know, deep into the pockets time and time again. And, mm. uh, you know, once again, we uh, kicked ourselves out of too many games that we, we just should have won, <clears throat> including, once again, a final. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, do you think the rumours are true of this Motlop and even Menzel? What do you think they will aid our forward line woes? No, those players. Motlop, yes. No. Menzel, no. I'm not even sure Motlop will. What's his accuracy like? Isn't he a bit of a sprayer under pressure? Because he's going to have pressure. He's not going to play up forward though. He's going to play, you know, on a wing forward playing. He's not going to be deep forward. But uh, I, I don't think we'll be getting Menzel. I think Motlop's a fair chance to happen, and I think he'll be great for the club, to be honest. So I think we need that sort of player in the team uh, going forward. Um, but I don't know. We just need to work on our forward entries. I think that's the one thing that's really holding us back is that our, our midfield chokes under pressure, and the way that we choose to enter the ball inside 50 is structurally incorrect and leads us to kick more behinds and goals on a regular basis. And it also means that we kick ourselves out of games that we should definitely be winning, e.g. the Geelong game so, and West Coast twice this year. But we have a lot of good midfielders. So Do we? Is it the ins- on paper. Well, I thought on paper. So And they did perform well in 13-14. So is it the... But I've been ago, barking on about... I know it is a long time ago, and I've been barking on about lack of composure for God knows how long. I'm sure you're sick of me talking about it, Macca. But is it the players, or is it the instructions that the players are getting, or is it a, a bit of both? Um, I'm going to play my, my special card that I play every uh, podcast. It's the list. Ah. It's the list. It's always the list. I would say uh, midfield as a whole is generally not elitely skilled. Uh, they are in some aspects, but certainly not in others. And uh, by others, I mean kicking <laughs> and disposal efficiency. Um, none of those guys are really super clean users of the bowl, except for Pollock, really. Like, Wines isn't, Ebert isn't, Folk no. isn't, Robbie Gray no. isn't. No. Um, so when you've only got sort of one, and maybe two if you include Amon as well, sort of elite kicks through your midfield group, uh, you're going to have... You know some struggles in uh, in hitting players on the chest up up forward, and and it's made worse by the fact that you know just like we used to do with Brett Ebert and Daniel Motlop, we kick it into the stands <laughs> because that's where they lead, um, in the hope that we get a uh, a boundary throw in close to goal and we can use our old Australian ruckman to advantage. But uh, often that's not an advantage, and uh, I don't know. It, it would just be nice to see us use some sort of traditional type forward structure uh, in future years where we don't actually kick, you know, to the, the point post all the time. And we actually kick, you know, sort of 15, 20 metres straight in front and uh, try and get some players to, to collect the ball there and uh, have a higher chance of actually kicking goals. That requires, yeah, a, a different list to what we've got, Maka. Like, there's it does. no... Absolutely, it does. You and that's why I'm, yeah. I'm so... Bullish on Amon for a start because he can use the ball so well. Even though well, we all know he's a he little use... bit soft and all this sort of stuff, but he is a great kick of the footy. That's why I'm bullish on Atley because no, he's, he's a good user of the ball. He's a sp- Willem Drew as well. Sprayer. Amon. Amon's okay. A- look, no, Amon for me. 
for me, Amon would be a guy that I would like to think would be among the worst kicks in the side instead of among the best. Yeah. Um, at his standard, I think I think he's better than most of our options, which I think is what Mac is probably saying. Yes. But if you look at you know on on the measure of you know AFL standard, like he's he's average. Yeah. With he, Kurt two foot straight, Uh I don't know. Are we going to play him at halfback or in the forward line? Look, if <laughs> what, what's the difference between Kurt Tippett and Charlie Dixon? If Charlie Dixon can't straighten well, us up, two of them. then well. Didn't didn't happen last year, did it? it? Didn't happen in 2015 when we had Schultz and Ryder up forward. Like we've not, right, um, yeah. You know, it, it's just the way we choose to play football, and There's a, that it's is not going sure. to change until we turn over the list. And look, for the next two drafts, I would love it. You know, forget about talent and all that sort of stuff. Just concentrate mm. on players that can really kick the footy and get them into the club, because mm. that's How where we really that? need to improve. So would Rockcliffe help us? Well, again, like he's not a great user of the ball, but he would add certainly some other positive traits, like his uh, his defensive midfield work, his clearance winning ability, his tackling ability, the fact that he's a huge accumulator of the football, that he would allow less attention to guys like Robbie Gray and Ollie Wines and help them out, Power Pepper as well. Um, so whilst he certainly wouldn't improve our disposal efficiency, I think he would certainly improve our side as a whole. Didn't he spray Polek for leaving? Yeah. Didn't he refuse to come to training when he was being draft in his draft year? Didn't he refuse to go to Port Adelaide because he didn't think it was worth his while? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty rings sure he a did. Bell. That does. Yeah. I'm not sure if that was him or not, but that does. No, ring Google a bell. it. So what didn't he want to do? Didn't, I think he was a late, like a, a added to the the, the training group. Or he wanted to be the port wanted to add him to the training group, and he said he didn't want it because he didn't think it would be worthwhile. Um, ah. mm. Mm. Um, I feel that if we're going to concentrate on drafting good kicks, like that's that's high first round stuff, yeah. Particularly if it's tall players, um, because how many how many eighteen year olds have a really reliable set shot action? That can also play in other aspects of the the game. They have the fitness and they've got all the athleticism. John Butcher did in. when we recruited him. No, he didn't. He always had a shit kick. <laughs> no, he always did. We knew that as a junior that he had a shit kick, and it was hopefully correct it, but that didn't happen. Um, I, I don't know. Like that's don't, that's I a don't challenge. Think you like, need high first round picks to get players that are good kicks into the side. Like you can get them. I from think anywhere. you do if they're tall. I think if they're tall, you do. I think if they're tall, because if, if, you, if you're deliberately going out there and saying, we need tall guys that can kick, like that is literally, that is top 10 picks every time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of them taken later, unless they're like defenders who do it under very little pressure. Um, yeah, no. For, for midfielders, absolutely. Absolutely, you can get them all over the place. And, but unfortunately, they'll usually be shorter <laughs> yeah. if you're getting them late. Um, and so that doesn't that, that affects another issue. Yeah. Um, mm. So let's just do a little bit of an overview. What were your pre-season expectations and how do you think we performed against your expectations for this year? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think the individual players did a lot above my expectations and that had a huge impact on our performance. Uh, the main four, I guess, uh, probably Paddy Ryder had an All-Australian year when I thought he was going to struggle to come back from fitness, so he's done very well. Yep. Um, and so I have to give a bit of credit to Burgess for that because he's obviously done enough in that off, in that year off to keep him going. 
um, however he's managed to do it. Um, I think that Charlie Dixon has been absolutely fantastic this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Palpeffer, who knew he was going to just come out of the box and just really be a physical presence. And admittedly, he tailed off in the second half of the season, but like, to come out as strong as he did when we were trying to, when we were establishing what our season was going to be, like that was hugely important for us. And probably the fourth one, oh, was the fifth one, but anyway, the fourth one would be Jerry Pollack, um, who he did the Schofield thing that we thought he was going to do, which is he had that couple of inconsistent seasons and he's finally worked out what he needs to do. And the fifth one, Tom Cleary, um, for me. Okay. He made a huge difference in our defence. And I know Dan Houston should be in there possibly, but I'm no one you guys will name him, so there you go. Well, you've, done well, so you've, you've just named about 18 players there, so... I named um... five players. <laughs> five players. I well, you think named about right. nine, actually, but... That's, they uh, they that's were the different five players. <laughs> I, well, I, I, ex- I, expected us to, uh, I expected us to win 14 games and I had us finishing sixth um, in the old uh, pre-season big footy thread. And uh, we won 14 games and finished fifth. So in terms of how we went against our expectations, I think we pretty well matched them. I, I was very happy with how a lot of players did improve this year. Um, obviously, Houston was one who added something great to our side. Uh, the emergence of Charlie Dixon as a real elite uh, key forward I thought was fantastic. Tommy Jonas, um, just an absolute rock down back. And uh, to a lesser extent, guys like Hamish Hartlett, who I had no expectation on at all coming into this year, but actually performed pretty bloody well. And uh, Sam Gray as well, who I thought would struggle to probably get much of a game this year. Um but who ended up playing every game and, uh, again, performed reasonably well uh, compared to what my preseason expectations were. Oh, my God. What do you got, Rick? What's wrong? No, oh, Sam Gray. just kills me. I think it's strange that we gave him so long an extension. I mean, not that it's three years on top of one already, but, you know. He, I still think he flat-tracked bully for the bulk of the season. He, he and, probably uh, did. Look, he, he struggled in big games, and I think he's always going to be that, the final. that type of player. Yeah, that's and true. That's you true. know, the but irony is... I think is, he's always going to be actually, that sort of player. I actually thought he did okay in the final, but a lot of support, a lot of supporters were belting him for being uh, the traditional flat... Yeah, Sam Gray. And uh, <laughs> whereas at least I was a little bit objective, and I thought he played a reasonable final. Um, he worked hard. It did take him. Uh, it did take him extra time to be able to get seventeen possessions against a good opposition, but he got there. But well, in yeah, the look, end, he, Mac, he you... played every game. He averaged what eighteen touches and kicked well over a goal a game. So for a half yeah. forward flank who's you know not all that great and has obvious uh, um, sort of negative traits about him, I thought um, you know to end up with that sort of output throughout the whole year, I thought was. Uh, above expectation for me. It's just, I guess it's the whole thing, whilst players like him and MP and Need are in the side, it's sort of symptomatic of why we're not moving up higher on the ladder. And we need that organic growth or recruited growth to come through and push those hard-working type, yeah, I love them because they work hard, sort of players out of the side. Um, yeah. That's where that's where we need to go. So, uh, but yeah, my my expectation was that we, if we made the first week of finals, I'd be happy. But as the season went on, um, I saw all the lost and missed opportunities, so I became more disappointed because yeah. 
we showed we showed a lot more potential to be better than that. And again, it was the inconsistency that came through, and it was uh, yeah, I guess the coach's stubbornness to keep continue on with some players for way too long. But you know, we were impacted by Jasper and Broadbent. Um, were we being well being injured and not performing? They were in the past reasonable performers. But yeah, I but it was we it stuck. But we it was stuck when they came back too we... long. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. It's when they came back that we struggled, not when they were gone. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and that's what we're so excited. they didn't have they oh, didn't have the courage to leave them out and play the performing players, e.g., Dan Houston, um, as one example. But you know, I'm with you, Macker. I you know, I've been a big Hamish Hartlett back, basher, but yeah, it's amazing how strong a player he was when Broadbent wasn't there. He sort of lifted and. He got more ball, but he was hard and tough, and you, you know, he really earned his spot in the side. And yeah, um, he's probably not the player that I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be a superstar midfielder, but he did enough. Mm. But you know, overall, it's yeah, it's, we just, I just want to see yeah that growth come through, and if it's Atley or Drew or or whoever uh, recruits Motlop, Menzel, just push those the hard worker type good blokes out. Um, e.g. like your Tom Logan, um, and uh, and just get quality throughout our our team and list, and you know, and I think that's been symptomatic of our issues over the recent decade. Is we we keep working with the the good blokes, the Tom Logans, the Matt Thomases. Um, you know, I'm sure the list continues on, and I just can't rattle them off at the moment. Um, but you know, they. They're good blokes, they're hard workers, they put their body on the line, but they're not going to deliver you a premiership. Yeah. <clears throat> That's right. Look, to talk about uh, some other places where we did actually improve um, from last year, obviously the defence is the main one. We improved by 36 goals on 2016. We actually had our best ever defence at AFL level. We, had, we conceded 239 goals, which was the least we've conceded in our AFL journey to date, which... Um, is a good sign going forward because I still think that um, we can improve on that next year. Obviously, we kept a lot of uh, bottom eight sides, um, you know, even, even scoreless for for long periods of games. But uh, we need we can still improve that on uh, on top eight sides where we did struggle uh, on occasion still. And look, the other thing which I was okay with was that we actually won the games we should have won. Um, you know, we went twelve one against the bottom ten. And look, it's been a while since we haven't had a shit sandwich loss in a or or three in a season. So, you know, it was good yeah, that we were actually yeah, we able to the win final. the games that we were supposed to bloody well win, uh, and we didn't. Yeah, but we you had know, sh- sneak in a, a, a stupid loss to Brisbane or Gold Coast or Carlton or something silly like that. But that's part of the problem, isn't it? Like the fact, like we've had shit shit sandwich losses in you know our premiership year even. Um, I think we had one against North Melbourne that uh, gets brought up all the time. Um, you know, with that that part of it is that if you only do what you need to do to beat the shit sides, then you'll beat all the shit sides, but you won't be prepared for the good ones. So you actually have you actually have to take risks. You actually have to take risks to you have to invest more players' time in the forward line. You know, that's the sort of thing you have to do it against good sides too. And yeah, okay, you might lose occasionally to a, a bottom side that gets you know a good run on. But without it, you won't beat the top sides. You know, if you don't have a balanced team, in my view, I think, I think that was, like, a that's a Neil here. Craig problem. I don't know. I, I think you're being exactly a bit harsh why Neil Craig didn't work we, out. we didn't just beat these teams; we absolutely pummeled. Yeah, you know, Neil Craig. Them. Neil Craig. Yes, absolutely. Neil Craig. Exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly how he coached the Crows. They pummeled the shit sides and got smashed by the good ones. You could also say that's that. exactly how it yeah. worked. I don't know. 
But he made a couple of preliminary finals too, though, didn't he? He did by doing it, absolutely. Yep, totally did. And so got he's exposed done better when it really than us. counted. Exposed when it counted. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like you, we were. Yep. You, you're probably <laughs> totally fair there, but look, I'm going to take that as a positive because for once we actually did win the games that we were supposed to bloody win. And I think that's a good base to build off for next year. And I don't think we should be going into year saying, oh, it's going to be okay to lose to Collingwood and, you know, Gold Coast. No, you don't. But you, but you, you have to go into the year saying, we're going to risk losing to these guys so that we can have a side capable of beating the big boys. That's what you're saying. It's not that you're saying you're intending to lose to shit teams. It's that you're intending to play a balanced side that might lose a couple of games against shit ones, but might also win a couple more against the good ones because that's more important to you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure coaching just, goes like that, can't, though. You can't, it, well, it does when you're talking about playing you know, umpteen defenders and no forward line. Like That's exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly you know, it. I'm with Portia. She's basically saying we have no courage. Mm, kind of. Yeah, no, we, we had poor courage. But you go into a year... Look, we would have gone into this year hoping to win the Premiership and hoping that we have a game style that can win us a Premiership. So you don't just change that willy-nilly against some shit team just for the sake of what? it. No, you Why don't. You, you change it in every year? game. You change it in Look, every game, Macca. That's what I'm saying. No, but why would you go into this no year team in the thinking that we're going to win a premiership? Every no team, team all of the good teams. Don't. Are you going to say that GWS hasn't been beaten by shit teams this year? No, I'm saying <laughs> GWS doesn't change their game style on a week to week basis. Like, That's what I'm soccer. saying too. So, so the impact of that of changing our game style might be that we lose a couple more games against shit sides or don't smash them by 100 points. And in return, we actually get a couple more wins against good sides because we're not just playing an overloaded defence that they can sneak enough through, but we can't do anything the other way because we're kicking to wings and we don't have a key forward in position because we've only got one. Mm. Well, it's all about trialling to not have a plan B as well, isn't it? Mm. Instead of just having one game plan, which is a bit of a criticism at the moment. Yes. So let's talk about the negatives. Uh, where did we fail to improve from last year and who regressed in form from 2016? Sounds like we've started in that. <laughs> well, can I, can I say the two that I suppose last off-season we were really pretty certain about, turned out most certain, which is Nathan Cracker wouldn't play and Aaron Young, we should have traded him last year when he had some kind of value because he doesn't now. Yeah, like that, that's right. That's two really, two really obvious ones then, and they're both dead exactly how we expected. But his hair is beautiful. He's got <laughs> not, as good as, look. not as good as Mitchell's was, Kane Mitchell. <laughs> look, I said at the start of the year that I didn't think Aaron Young would kick 10 goals for the season. Look, he kicked 11, so good on him. He, he beat my expectations as well. Well, but those are the two big ones for me. Yeah, look, he was obviously... Mm. Aaron Young was obviously the one that... Uh, was a little bit, dis- especially considering he started so well. Like his first couple of weeks were a continuation on his good form from last year, and then he just got worked out and completely fell in a hole. I guess the uh, the big one that we got to talk about is Trengove, um, simply because he was shoehorned into this role, which um, I guess we hoped would sort of work out and that he would hold his own. And I know um, in preseason I said, look, if he averages a goal a game, I would be happy with that. But that was expecting that he would be the third tall forward, not the second tall forward. And um, obviously, it didn't work out. He got dropped on the verge of finals and is very unlikely to be here next year. Yeah, he um, he just wasn't able to consistently have an impact. 
uh, in the role he was playing, really. Well, he was a little bit slow for it, wasn't he? Oh, I don't even know if it's that. He just seemed to not. Well, he's just uh, not he just forward. seemed to not know what he was doing. Yeah, he, mm. he's he's not a key forward. He's not played as a key forward throughout his whole career, basically. Um, uh, I, and yet we've shoehorned we... him there because we didn't know what to do with him after he played so well last year. Uh, I think that again, talking about the measures for different players in different parts of the ground. Um, when you see how hard Charlie Dixon had to work to have an okay season, like a pretty good season for a key forward, you know, number one key forward, he's had a good season. Um, but you see how hard he has to work to do that and then to say, okay, Jackson, keep up with Charlie. Like, I don't think Jackson's – has Jackson ever been that athletic? Um, and that's not a knock on him. Like, he's good enough for a backman. Um, but for a forward, like – and especially the way we play our forward line, like, you've got to have so much run. You've got to have yeah. so much run. That's why Marshall's much more chance of working out next year and the year after than Trengove is because assuming we don't adjust, assuming we don't change how we do things. Yeah. Um, the well, work is enormous. disappointing as well. Um, obviously, Pittard went from sort of All-Australian squad to, you know, got dropped a couple of times Poo. throughout the year. Uh, Paddy Broadbent Poo. went from a, um, you know, a good dependable player to out of the side. Um and look, Jarman oh. he just failed to improve once again. I think I, I think Broadbent's was easier than that. I think Broadbent went from um, all that really changed is he went from good enough to be inside or to we've got better, which is yeah. Dan Houston. Like that was yeah. that's really all that happened. I don't think his form changed all that much. I think yeah, letting our captain go, Macca. I was a bit disappointed with our captain. I thought we'll, he was we'll inconsistent. We'll talk about him in in more detail on Thursday when we do the leadership reviews. But I thought. Mm. I thought Travis had a decent year. I, I think he got harshly criticised for much of the season. Um, did he have some bad games? Yeah, of course he had some bad games. Did he have a lot more good games than what people give him credit for? Absolutely. I think, for me, I find it really hard to judge Boke and because I don't know how much is not working hard enough slash not head, head's not in the game versus how much can he actually still physically do as a footballer. I don't know. I don't know where the line is there. And that's that makes it really hard for me to judge whether it's Endeavour or if it's just that he's wearing out. Well, there was definitely a transition this year. He stayed away from the midfield a lot more than previous seasons. Mm. Mm. So that's why I don't... That, I, that's why I'm not sure. I think that's that's... Like reviewing him, I, I I won't be able to say much. I don't think just because I have I just have such a a feeling that his body isn't right or isn't where you want it to be. In which case, it's not endeavour, but it's still a problem. And in fact, it's probably more of a problem than if he just you know had a uh, I don't care season or something. But I just think of our our you know our famous commentator Dwayne Russell when he commentates our games, and it's always oh you. You, you know, Travis Boak, he always disappears for a, a bit of the season, but then comes back and, you know, but you, I was talking about it at a business meeting with another port supporter today and, uh, and you know, but, and we were talking about leadership in business and, and then because we were talking about port and the reviewing the season, it was sort of like, and I said, well, what about, you know, what about Travis? And he goes, no, if he was oh. an employee of mine, I'd get rid of him. And, oh. uh, because he, he is inconsistent. And as a leader, you want a leader that is always there, always performing and setting the example for the team. And if your leader's disappearing, it sets well, a bad example for the team. Can, can I just say something, first of all, which is that 
Um, I don't think Dwayne Russell's ever going to be in a position to have a crack at Travis Boat, considering uh, who actually did go to Geelong. Um, so there's that. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel that um, Boke, he... How much longer has he got? How much longer has he got? Well, he's he's in back got a group. Years left, isn't it? Yeah. So, what do you do? What do you do? Like, I don't. He got, I don't think he can even translate to like a back pocket where you'd hide a guy like that normally. He's never played no. defence, has he? Well, no. I, I, look, I thought he had a decent year. So, I don't know. I, I think. He's got to be on the downwards. Is that what you want from your captain? He'll pro- well, he'll probably you? lose the captaincy this year, won't he? Well, so someone else will take over so he can concentrate on his game a bit more. Um, yeah, look, I mean, he's in the... You know, he's starting the sort of death rows of his career, isn't he? So it's not like he's a sprightly 23-year-old anymore. You know, he's about to turn 30. So anyway, let's uh, move on and talk about some questions because we've got quite a few from Big Footy. Uh, Leo Messi has asked uh, this great one. Hard tacos or soft tacos? Um, I tend towards soft because I like a soft taco, but also because hard tacos <laughs> tend to be messy. Yeah, I'm with you. Very messy, but very satisfying as well. No, no. Yeah, soft well, all the way. Like, if I was at someone, you know, if I was at a friend's house, I'd eat a hard taco, that'd be cool. But if I was going out to a restaurant, I'd be like, there's too much risk. There's too much risk, yeah? yeah. I'm it depends you what you're having in it as well. Like, obviously, your traditional sort of I, meat I load taco, them up. You, you, go, <laughs> nah. you go the hard. If you're having like a fish taco or something like that, then you've got to go soft, I think. So, Porsche, you're sounding like a, a woman after my own heart. You, you'd be a fork and yeah. knife sort of person. You're not, you're not one where you want to go out and get your hands and face covered with crap and, and it's all messy and, you know, flaking Mate, I've seen everywhere. you eat. I've seen you eat. I know, it's great, isn't you, you it? You have that with the bloody fork and knife, mate. I, uh, I just devour. I just consume. I just suck it in like a black hole, and it's done. <laughs> For me, the factor is that if I have a taco, I really want to load it up with filling, so there is much oh, yeah. more of a chance of spillage than someone that doesn't really fill it up all that much. You can't go stingy on the uh, on the fillings with tacos. No, you can't, but, you know, there's only so much, like, lettuce and stuff like that you can put on there that before it starts risking overflowing. And as soon as you add that hard factor, that unpredictable crack, um, that's really worrying. So, no. what, what I used to do I like to live on the edge, crumb- I guess. I don't know. Crumble them, you crumble <laughs> them in your hand. So you put the min- I used to put the mincemeat and the vegetables on the plate and then just crumble the taco, mix it up, and then put the salsa sauce on top. Uh, the old deconstructed taco. The deconstructed <laughs> taco, yes. Oh, no. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Johns has asked, uh, if we get Choco as our senior coach, what would be the best thing to do in reaction? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Move to Miami. Invest. Uh, I, I have no idea. I don't have, an, I don't have a funny answer for that. It's just oh. too ridiculous. It, it is. It blows my mind. Christoph has asked, um, in regards to Gilmore Girls, are you Team Jesse, Team Dean, or Team Logan? Ooh. Um, that's a tricky one. Uh, I I've got an actual answer for this one, so you're gonna to have to wait for it. Um, so I was Team Dean, but the, and I didn't understand why Rory was such a shit to him. But then when she was, he was even worse. So I'm not Team Dean, but I was for a bit. Um, I kind of feel like the person that Rory is 
Like in real life, she's totally with Team Logan. That just happens. Like there's just so many people in that peer group that just married the rich kid and that's it. And then they have a couple of kids and they go into marketing and shit like that. Like that's totally Rory in real yeah. life. Um, so I've got to be team Jesse just because he, yes. even, even, even if he was wrong, uh, he thought he saw more in her than was there, but she's really just kind of vapid and empty. <laughs> it's got <laughs> to be nice team to Jesse. Think... It has to be team yeah. Jesse. Oh, I wasn't a fan of team Dean and Logan was a dickhead. So for me, it's, um, definitely Jesse. I'd Look, like... Rick, Rick, this is right up your alley, say, mate. I want to hear your theories on Gilmore Girls, mate. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I just first of all want to say that Logan was less of a dick than Dean until Dean got married, and then Dean was a total dick. Fair enough. Yeah, I've never watched episodes, so I don't even know what Gilmore Girls is. So some of us actually work for our, a living and actually do more than 20 hours in a week, and uh, so don't have the luxury of watching TV. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, well, maybe CT... if you did, you'd be cultured. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> you need to work on your uh, work TV series balance, Rick, for sure. Right. Uh, CT Power, where do you think Keith Thomas stands in the Hinkley saga? Is he caught in the middle or is he supporting Hinkley? Uh, I, think he, I think he's I would think if Hinkley. he's getting a three-year deal, then he's definitely supporting Hinkley. Yeah, I, I think that he's kind of just trying to keep a lid on everything. <laughs> I think I think that's KT's role at the moment. I think it's I think it's what he sees his role as being is like keep any drama in house, la la la. Um, conflict, try and tell them to shake hands and you know say they're sorry or whatever else that he's doing. But I think he's just trying to be the peacekeeper because he's got corporate goals that he wants to meet and he can't if there's complete shambles in the football department. Yeah. Uh, Interstater on the uh, Spreaker chatter said deconstructed tacos, aren't they just nachos? No, no. No. For a start, you melt the cheese on nachos and you don't necessarily melt the cheese in tacos. There's no no melting here and you're breaking them up finer. They're like fingernail size. See, what you do with tacos is you put a little bit of mince in, then you put a layer of cheese and then more mince on top so it does melt in the middle. And you just do a fine sprinkling of that healthy stuff like lettuce, but just to make it sound like it's healthy. I'm not a well, lettuce with fan nachos. on tacos. I'm more of a coriander man, but we've had the coriander discussion before. So, For me, I think that and the important thing about nachos and lettuce is you only put the lettuce on the top. Like you don't try and put it oh, in a yeah. layer or something like that because nah. it's awful. Nah. Um, and yeah. also, I've gone away I've gone away from using cheese on nachos to actually just, you know, putting some milk and cheese together with a bit of um, taco seasoning and then that's a, turning it into a queso by mixing it up. And that's really, really very easy, very easy. And it's much milk easier to cheese. pour on. Yeah, that's how you make oh, a good so- queso sauce, yeah. So you're making a, a cheese sauce? Yeah, basically. Uh, a Mexican mm. cheese sauce because you put the taco seasoning in the sauce, mix it all yep. up. Uh, it's, it takes like 20 seconds in the microwave and then just pour it on. And that way it's much better. It's already more liquid so that you don't get that situation where the, the cheese is melted to the top chips and then there's not much underneath. Uh, it'll nice. keep dripping yeah, down yeah, as you eat. So, that's a killer, yeah. isn't it? When you got yeah. all the topping at the top and then you're just left with the dry chips at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, or or yeah. worse, when you've got a bit of the topping sort of, of, of that isn't of the right kind, so it's more watery than oily. Uh, so if you get like sour cream that gets into a lower level, like that's just going to make a soggy chip. Can Whereas I just the say too, just, might not. just quickly, I went to Licorice at Semaphore last Friday and they do the best vegetarian nachos. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So for any fellow veggies out there, go to, go to Licorice for vegetarian nachos. There you, there you go. go. And go. apparently, Macca's shops just across the road. It is. 
You didn't even ah. come in and say good day. I didn't see How it. How rude is that? Unbelievable. Shocking. Shocking. <laughs> shocking revelation. A strike Most, has asked. Most shocking uh, revelation of the day. Yes. Uh, did either of you have any issues with what Kosh said? None. No? None. He could have gone harder. <laughs> I can understand why some people think the timing might have been off. Um, no. But, look, I had zero issues with what Kosh said. Like, he's been pretty soft as a, a president over the years. He's been outspoken, but has generally taken the soft, you know, let's everybody, you know, we want everyone to be... We want Port to be everybody's second favourite team and all this sort of shit, but... I don't care about uh, that. For him to actually go a bit hard and say what everyone's kind of thinking, I was pretty happy with. For me, I think it's important to remember that KT is the employee of the club and he's the one that has to be professional, but that the chairman... And this, again, we made a big distinction back in the day about how Port Adelaide is a member club rather than the corporate club, but the chairman is our representative. Yeah, if he's if if he's the only source of supportive feedback, because you know they obviously tell the players stay off Twitter, stay off this, stay off that, blah blah blah. Um, you know, if he's the main source of hey, this is what fans are thinking, like then he's he's absolutely in the right position to say things like that, because uh, that's exactly he, what fans are thinking. And he had to say it. He's a smart guy, and it was strategic. You know, he had to, the fans. He knew that the bulk of the fans wanted to hear that. And, and uh, you know, and it's, it, it's not like it's yeah. the boot stutter laying into them. It's the guy in charge of the club who has to carry the can if we go shit as much as anyone else. So I think it's that been, coming from him, it's fair. It's very fair. It's been 10 years since we made a grand final, 13 years since we won a grand final. Um, our slogan is we exist to win premierships. Um, oh, so they changed it, it remember? Oh, did they? What two? Yeah, exist? we exist to we exist to win premierships and make our people make our community, community proud. proud apparently, something. yeah. yeah oh, because really? that, that, that way, if they do the second one, then they don't have to worry about the first one. They just say, oh, one out of two is all right. Oh, no, <laughs> don't like that change. But anyway, no, so, I don't, yeah, no, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it, and I would have I would have been happy if you went harder and bashed the coaches as well as the players. Yeah. Uh, T. Cray has asked, following on, following on from last week's discussion about Cold Rock, uh, what is your ideal ice cream flavour and mix-in combination? Rick first. You're making me sad. I'm, in, I'm into the second week of this detox and uh, I don't eat shit. I eat lettuce and water and that's about it. And ice cream sounds like a distant memory. <laughs> but salted, salted caramel would would be great. And I always like the peppermint with the chocolate chips in them. Okay. Fair enough. For me... I don't like mix-ins. Sorry. Oh. Go. What? You don't like mix-ins? I want to hear more from this first. Okay. Well, for me, like, the only mix-ins I like are things like boysenberry ripple. You know, like, oh. the ones... The ones... Oh. I don't... I don't I don't like crunchy things in the ice cream. I like a fairly smooth texture where the variation is in flavour rather than texture. Nah, there you go. Nothing, nothing wrong your, with the... the your the ideas are so foreign to me, Porsche. I don't even know where to go with this one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, for me, my old favourite cold rock combo was um, uh, mint with M&M's, uh, which goes mm. entirely the opposite way of, of Porsche's. Um Okay. Ferrero Rocher and Mars Bar, that was always good. Um, wow, English toffee and crunchy awesome. was good. And yeah. um, 
something that I used to get quite often from Cold Rock was um, a mix of cookies and cream and mint thick shake. Wow. If I could get a nice vanilla bean ice cream with lemon and raspberry ripples sort of oh. crisscrossing through it, I would be totally on board with that. So boring. Could they make? They should. Hey, Shut Matthew, up. do you reckon they should make a uh, like a um, a new variant of the Golden Gay Time? Okay. Like a scoop version of it. Uh, well, that's probably. Why mess around? Yeah. Yeah. There, is, there isn't really one there. Yeah. Well, the English toffee's part of it, but you need that crunchy, that crunchy uh, component in there. Yeah. All right, that's that's this week's challenge. Macca's got a deep fry golden gay time. <laughs> yeah, right. go on, Macca. Uh, Interstater <laughs> on the uh, Spreaker chat has said a salted licorice ice cream, which sounds terrible. I could be on board with uh, that. The licorice I ice cream from Golden North is actually quite delicious. I got to say. Is it really? Yeah. You know, all, like, you want, all you're making me do is want to go down to St. Louis and get some ice cream and um, and a coffee. But if you want a controversial thing from me, oh, I've I must got a, admit, I've I'm got not a an ice I've got a controversial one for you, which is that do you like Dutch licorice, Rick? Because you I should. Love it. I yeah. love it. It is yeah. amazing. And you know what I used to do? I used to go so to good. high school. Because everyone at high school were freaking scabs. Oh, what do you got? Can I have some? So I used to load up with Dutch licorice and go, yeah, sure, have some. And then watch all these Aussie kids spit it out on the ground. And no one ever yeah. came up to me and asked me for, for food after that. So, uh, yeah, Good long call. lids. That's, that's smart yeah. thinking. That is smart. Very yeah. smart. Have, have you ever had the, the double Z triangle Dutch licorice? Amazing. No, I've had a few different ones, though. So I might have had so, it and not remembered it. So salty that it turns your face into a prune for like 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's, it's, you get that with uh, cheese though, like, and it's a cheese I don't eat because I can't handle it, and that's just Mersey Valley cheese. Have you ever had that? It's just so salty. It just makes yeah. your mouth shrivel right up. It's terrible. I like Mersey Valley. Mm, no, I can't, I can't handle it. I've had that one. Like if, 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 you ever, if you ever decide... You want to have a cheese that you won't eat much of. Like it's got to be Mersey Valley because you can't eat more than like half a small piece of it before your mouth yeah. just completely shrivels up. Like a, mm. you know, you've been in the bath too long. I'll have to. I'll have to give that one a go. But can we go back to non-food related uh, topics, please? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, you're killing me here. Okay. This one from Needs Gravy. <laughs> Uh, what can be done to hold the AFL media to account for their tabloid made up of bullshit? Nothing. Uh, I I want to say I've screenshotted or something, but um, in Twitter moments today, I literally had um, two adjacent stories about Ken Hinckley. One from the Age saying that he's leaving, and one from I think the Herald Sun saying that he's signed a three-year extension, yeah. and they were right on top of each other. So I kind of feel like today has already done enough to discredit AFL media more than anything else possibly could. Like you couldn't add to what has already happened by them disagreeing so violently and both being wrong. It's like Rucci when he uh, wrote an article in the Advertiser and was on radio uh, sprouting that Gary Ayres was about to get a three-year extension um, and then about 90 minutes later he got sacked for uh, Neil Craig. <laughs> yeah, there mm. you go. <laughs> well, let's face it, the media are generally guessing unless there's leaks in an organisation. So, um, you know, they're just going on rumour and innuendo. So, and, But they yes. do what they do is just create... <laughs> 
because it's they just have to. modern. It's just the modern sports media is it's all based off social media, and that's where you get your stories from, generally. Correct. Um, it's all about clickbait these days, and um, you know um, Ken Hinckley sort of going to Gold Coast would be mega clickbait for uh, the Age or the Herald Sun or the Advertiser, and um, yeah, that's what it's all about, I guess. Uh, I kind of feel there, if there was some, I'm sure there's some hobbyist programmer out there that could do it. But like you get bots that generate automatic posts and things like that based on things that happened before. And I reckon you could just automatically generate headlines and just update to the name of the current coach of a club. You know, mm. Richmond resigned blah to five years. Richmond sack such and such. Richmond or such and such fan puts chicken shit on the front doorstep. And yeah, like these, you know. Um, you could just insert a lot of uh, algebraic functions and then just, you know, come up with new headlines every day and you'd be mm. about the same win-loss rate as a standard journal, I'd reckon. Pretty much. And last question is from Interstater, which is uh, if you could change one and only one thing about our structures, list or coaches for 2018, what would it be? Um... Kurt Tippett. God, why would, no, why would you know. make that the one thing you change? It's Buddy Franklin, if you're going to do something like that, no, Jesus. I just want, another tool <laughs> and a better a better tool structure would be fantastic in our forward line. I would That's like mine. to trade Justin Westhoff for Eric Hipwood. Oh, yes, please. That would be mine. Okay. Yes, please. If we're going well, on we that, know we, I would like to trade Sam Gray for Dustin Martin. But uh, it's probably <laughs> unlikely to happen. Uh, At least make it like type. <laughs> uh, I would like to bring Luke Hodge to the club in any way, shape, or form possible. That yeah, would be my change. yeah, that'd be good too. But he's going into commentating, isn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. going into the media. You would think. Um, yeah. but yes, that would be Easy money. My, that would be my change. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, well, that's it for this evening. So how can we talk more shit on a non-football podcast than what we do on a normal show? What's going on here? On a normal show. And there's not three of us on a normal show. Hmm. Anyone we had three of us recently was one where I kept on keeping the pace going, whereas Mac has been a bit slack. It's Mac's have, fault again. It is. Oh, it is. Dear. It's true. It's, mu- it's much better. It's This is like homely banter around the fire. Mm. Yeah. Can, oh. you, can you start doing the Macca's deep fried suggestion of the week, Macca, for me and Portia? Please. <laughs> I'm sure not the only ones. I'll think about it. Yeah, but. I'll think about it. Come on. I mean, I've got, I'm sure we've got a crew of people out there. That would love to give you a something a suggestion to deep fry, and you pick one and do it. I mean, it would, it would just be a great little segment to the show, and then get a review on it afterwards. Okay, I'll hey, see what a, I can here's do. Here's a question: Would would you would you uh, would you consider adding Drew Petrie as a guy like at the lower tier of coaches for a guy that sorry sort of knows about areas that we're not good at apparently? Because <laughs> uh, he's traditionally been pretty good against Port Adelaide over the journey. Yeah, um, well, he got the most out of his talent, I think. And um, I reckon, in, like he was very good at uh, positioning and structure and all that sort yeah. of stuff. So I would, I, I would be think... fine with that, to be honest. Yeah, I think that could be a good get from the retirees. Where's, where's Sam Mitchell going? I think he's staying at Gold Coast. Staying. Sorry, West Coast, West isn't Coast. he? That was the whole West, point of him. West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, as a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's a shame. 
He would have been a good one to poach too. He could have been, yeah. Righto. Oh, well. There we go. Right. Podcast done. Very good. We will Great. be back on Thursday where we will be discussing... Uh, we'll start going through the player it's reviews. Go through that just to keep the content going. And uh, the first uh, list, I think, is uh, the leaders. So we'll be going through the leadership group and seeing how they went in 2017. Did we have one? Yeah. Did we have one? Well, that's... We, we can save discuss it for Thursday, that Rick. Thursday. Save it for Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and until then... My joke for the night. Good joke, man. Oh, oh, you had one. Good. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> Until then, can't appear. Can't put. Go, can. I believe in you. The running Francis. It's deafening at Footy Park. It's like finals footy. Oh. Trevray Marks at half board. He's lifted as well, Trevray. Five marks for him this afternoon to the goal square. Chad Corns is the man of the moment. Can't do it this time. Stewie Jew, right foot. Goal!